Hello, hello, and welcome to the Inglorious Pastors Podcast, where we talk about spirituality, news, and how to be fluent in over six million forms of communication. My name Star Wars is reference. Yeah, my name is Michael Basinger. <laughs> With me are Matt Polly, Hi. Brad Polly, hey. and together we are the Inglorious Pastors. Yeah. Giggity, giggity. Um... Announcements: uh, We are still raising funds for our GoFundMe to get a new computer. Um, we're now recording on a different kind of setup. We're trying things out. Um, we'll see how it goes. If you give enough money, Michael, I'll write you a shitty 30-second song. It's true. <laughs> I, I recorded two <laughs> of them Complete today. trash. Just utter garbage. Uh, you guys didn't even hear the second one. No. no. I didn't. Um, so we've we've I've got two of them in the, in did the you, can. Did you did you mention when people gave like a ton of money to have you write a song that it was only going to be thirty seconds? Yes, it does say thirty it does seconds. Okay, yeah, it does yeah, say okay. That. Yeah, yes. I couldn't remember. We don't, uh, we don't and, stretch. I felt really bad. I was like, God, man, what a rip off. We don't we don't <laughs> want to stretch his writing abilities too far. Yeah. Um, also, I did notice I said that it, that I can't promise that it'll be good, but I can promise that it'll be weird. So <laughs> well, you followed through I, on that you one. You definitely nailed that. I think it's weird. So um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we'll release those to everybody. Everybody or oh, no. maybe like no, I'd say just that's their own special gift. It, well, yeah. I, I might if I might they want a, to. Re- what, no, you can make they, a mixtape. Yeah, no, if they, shit, man, the Michael mixtape. Yeah, it's like the mixtape. only mixtape worse than Drake's. I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even. Thanks. I think <laughs> you're Michael. Michael Basinger better than Drake. <laughs> Doesn't take much, man. <laughs> He's like the Meek Mill of the Inglorious <laughs> Bastards. Yep, I'm gonna drop it like it's hot. <laughs> Um, I haven't picked up the new Migos album yet. I didn't get that. <laughs> they dropped a new one. Hey, did you hear that uh, um, R. Kelly's going to bring back um, Trapped in the Closet? Mm, that's really several, exciting. The several the, more the Michael episodes. Basinger story. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, also announcement, Pastordpedia is starting. Uh, we're starting a wiki, a wiki with uh, Pastor Historian Huff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> I couldn't uh, love that anymore. I love that we give people titles now, like I official know, titles. That's great. Yes. Um, I believe Ian is going to join too. Oh, so. God. It should be a giggly good time. Uh, Isn't he just our drunk correspondent? Like yes. He, all right. Dude, his live thing that he did was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Did you catch it at the end of the episode? No. I just caught it the next day whenever it was on. Oh, yeah. On the. Yeah, on he, the, he tagged it at the, the end the of the live episode. Oh, okay. So I didn't yeah. see that. <laughs> yeah, you, have to, you yeah. have to get through the music, and then it kicks over to him. That's like one of those, uh, the, the, the Marvel things at the See, end that of the should have made it onto the end of the actual one that we released, like the recording of it. It did. Oh, wait, it, it was on there? That's yeah. what I'm saying. Oh, you, seriously? You, have, yes. you get through, the, you get through the, the outro music, and it's him at the end. I thought I did. How yeah. did I miss that? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't set it up at all. I literally just did uh-huh. the outro music. It's just a bonus track, man. It's good. Thank uh, you, Ian. That was Ian, for those of you who are wondering who stuff. on earth that was. Ian Irving at Batman Villain. <laughs> From Twitter. Carrick, Fergus, Northern Ireland. Yeah. Uh, Pastorpedia. Um, yeah, if you want to join the Inglorious Pastors Preservation Society, slide into my DMs. <laughs> we'll chat. We're going to get a Facebook group going. Send Michael a dick pic. He likes them. No, don't send me any dick pics. <laughs> Please do. Um <laughs> Matt is the one who likes dick pics. We all know this. Mm, no, and you're the only one that sends them. So, yeah. Well, and let's let's keep it that way. Nobody else send me dick pics, please. True story. I have sent like pictures three of numerous to, to Matt. Numerous, not of my dick, just of random. Dicks. Still, like, still okay. So. You did it enough that I started to feel bad for Matt, and that's saying something because I have literally zero like compassion for this person. I thought it was so hilarious. (laughs) 
So I like still after think it's kind of funny. It was the one day you sent me two. <laughs> so Matt, Matt in like ends three up, minutes. Matt, like, Matt calls me and he's like, "I'm going to the hospital the other day." My first thought is, "You fucking moron! Change your diet." Like that's why for not yeah. is he gonna be okay? It's like I told you, you dumb shit. Yeah. <laughs> but he actually felt bad for Matt because. I was sending him pictures of... Yeah, I did. Not yes, not when I was in the hospital, thank God. Yeah. No. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. I kind of was surprised I didn't get one. Yeah. No, I've, I, it put a strain on our relationship for a hot <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah I kind of did. Things got weird. Yeah, but, things definitely but, got uh, weird. Things got weird. You sent me pictures of dicks. Imagine things getting weird after that. Yep, it's true. Uh-huh. So... <laughs> Yeah, well, I even I even went back. I tried to message you like two months later on here, and I don't generally message you by on yourself. Facebook messenger, on yeah. Facebook, on yeah. Facebook, it's usually I message the both of you on our thread. Uh, it was just you, and I opened it up, and there was like goddamn dick staring at me, and I was like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" It just been left over from whenever you sent it last. Uh, leftover dicks. So somebody hashtag Boy, that. Pretty sure we've pretty sure that. we've run the fundies out on this one already, yeah. haven't we? Sorry, Morgan Guyton fans. <laughs> oh man, I don't know that he's got. A lot of fundy fans. I don't know. Yeah, probably not. Maybe. Probably mm. more than we do. Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, what are we drinking? This round is on Stephanie Rice. We're going to talk about Stephanie Rice. But what we're drinking is actually from Adam McEarly. Um, God, he literally McEarly. can't say that. McEarly. McEarly. I said that. McEarly. You said McEarly. McEarly. <laughs> Fuck you guys. There's not a hyphen in there. <laughs> McEarly. McEarly. Adam Whosoever, it's so much easier to say. Uh, he hooked us up with this brew from Actual Brewing Company of Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, actual Actualbrewing.com. It's been exist- in existence for four years since ni- 19. Nope, no, sure, not no, four years. Since uh, 2013. <laughs> that a boy. Um, they began as a lab hiring <laughs> math out their... Math is hard. <laughs> they, they hired not, out their... Not just struggles with English, struggles <laughs> with math now, too. That wasn't math. That was a year, bro. <laughs> he, was, he was sick that day of homeschool. <laughs> they covered math. Screw <laughs> <I> was... <laughs> <laughs> you. I love that we bring back the homeschool joke. Oh, man, it never hard. gets old. I was barely homeschooled. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah, clearly. Screw <laughs> you guys. All right. Um, anyway, actual brewing company. Um, they begin as a I lab. Can recite bre- I can recite Noah's Ark story, though. Uh, screw you. Can, you. can I just get through this so we can talk about it? They began as a lab hiring out their skills in yeast analytics and SRM brew science to other brewers locally and nationally. Um, science focused first um, versus the usual artistic approach, um, which in itself is an artistic decision. So, if you're in Columbus, Ohio, go check them out. Um, let's uh, let's let's try this. Well, it, what is I, it? It's a bourbon barrel fat Julian, uh, aged one year in fine oak bourbon barrels. It's an imperial stout. It is twelve point three percent alcohol. So <laughs> this will be a fun podcast. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Did you? So it, this is the first beer in Ohio to be allowed under new legislation to exceed twelve point one. Yeah, nice. it's... Uh, so, all right, so anyway. cheers, kids. What, yeah. Oh, what are we rating this? We need to rate this. No, this isn't like a... This isn't Fat Patrick's. I know. Are we going to rate it? Sure, we can review rate it. it. Let's review yeah, it. Sure. All right. Uh, hold on. We got a... Out of we, five... Uh, five uh, Buckeyes? How about five Mick Curleys? Five Mick Curleys? <laughs> no, Mick Curleys. <laughs> Mick Early? Out of five Mick Curleys. Mick That's Curleys. what we'll do. Yeah, right. Okay. Mick Curleys. Here we go. Wow. Holy crap. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. It's a lot that's of bourbon. incredible. Oh, my gosh. But that's, ba- that's really well balanced, too. Yeah. Dude. Wow. It's sweet. Like, there's... 
Wow. I honestly, I thought a year in a bourbon barrel, that's going to be way overdone, and it's totally it's not. It's totally not. It's like it's all stout, and there's just this that. This is going to sound so douchey, but I'm getting vanilla on the back mm-hmm. end of that. Yeah, oh, I, I am totally too. am, too. <laughs> a little, I get a little mm, bit of strawberries. coffee. Strawberries. <laughs> a little bit of coffee. Man, that's... Wow. Yeah, that's... that's <laughs> That's five. See, here's the problem. There's the problem with this is I'm going to forget it's twelve point and drink it too fast. Hammered, yeah. in about thirty minutes. Wow. By, by the time by the time we get to the podcast, we'll reach the point in the evening when Matt loves everybody. Yeah, yeah. like that's where we'll be. I'll be, I'll be ripping your ass. I'll be hugging people. Brad will be angry. Yeah. I'll be Matt. Yeah. I'll morph into actual Matt. Yeah. <laughs> God, that is. I love how your your uh, your Hulk is actually just Matt. It is. My Hulk is Matt. I think there's vanilla in the front end of that too. It's, that's not just the back that's end, man. That's really good. I'm giving that five Mick Curly. Yep. Yeah, five Mick Curlies for me too. Five Adam Mick Curlies. <laughs> it's the. And thank um, you for that. Adam. Thank we you, really, Adam. Thank, thank you, you, actual brewing. brewing. That is, man. That's. Cr- well, if I ever get to Columbus, I know where I'm going. Yeah. I'm going to buy a number of those yeah. if I can get a hold yeah, of them. Yeah, no kidding, man. I think that was the last one is what he was telling us. Wow, that's um, kind of sad, actually. So well, it's um, good for us. I mean, good for us. But it's sorry, Columbus. Yeah. They make great beer. Yes. Actualbrewing.com. Check them out. Yeah, that's stupid good, man. I really like that. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> this round is on Stephanie Rice. Um, she lives with her husband in Dayton, Ohio. She's a materials engineer and dog wrangler. Her <laughs> wait, um, wait. I had no idea about that. Wait. A what? A dog wrangler? Does she ride a horse and like... <laughs> no, she wrangles yeah. dogs. Her boss's dog... Okay, na- that doesn't help me, but you keep saying wrangles dogs. That's not dogs. her actual job, dumbass. But what? what's a dog wrangler? Somebody, She's, I think she walks dogs. Okay. Can I, we I, just call it a dog walker? Or? Well, I think if you're walking one dog, I think that's okay. But if you have multiple dogs, <laughs> I think it's like you're a wrangler. This is some uh, thrilling. Uh, okay, move on. I would say it, she probably wears jeans while she's doing this, but we all know she only wears yoga pants. Absolutely. Yes. <clears throat> um, so she, uh, her boss's dog, Nano, is her best friend. Nano. That's a great name for a dog. <laughs> he's, he's literally a Nano pet. Wait, what? You, you don't remember the Nano yeah. pets from? Yeah. He, her, dog's na- do her, her dog's pet's name is Nano. Yeah. Nano pet. Get it? Oh, wait, Nano pets. So that's those little uh, yeah, keychain. Like, like yeah. a gigapet. Yeah. Tamagotchis. Yeah. Is it an actual dog or not? It, her, it's a real dog okay. named Nano. Are you just making a Michael joke? Is so that I what remember that is? I was a I Michael joke. Okay, in, right. Oh my gosh. I was lost. I remember when I was in high school. We need to get a translator for you, buddy. <laughs> one of my one of my good friends had a Tamagotchi when those were popular. Yeah. And she let me borrow it for like five minutes and I killed it. <laughs> I kept feeding it just and feeding it, it and feeding it until it. it died. And yet you had three kids. Amazing. Well, I kind of did it on purpose. And they're still alive. What, the three kids or the kill well, the dog? No, well, two, one of the kids <laughs> was on purpose. feed the dog. <laughs> I did. <laughs> anyway. Wow. Like the, what is it, the serial killer from Seven that made the guy eat himself to death? The, I, I've the, never seen that. that. Really? Like, I've, I've never seen it either. Really? He just never really He kills people using good. the Seven, seven Deadly right, Sins. I know the premise. So, Gluttony, he basically ties a guy to a chair and he has to eat himself to death. That's, yeah, uh, that sounds about it's pretty right. gross. It's not a, I wouldn't recommend that movie. It's not. It's disturbing. Yeah, I'm kind of a Brad Pitt slut. I still wouldn't watch that. Yeah, maybe the most yeah. impressing movie I've Benjamin ever watched. Benjamin Button. Button was your jam. <laughs> <laughs> love the the Benny Buttons. Benny Butts. <laughs> Benny, Benny Buttons. But, but, Benny and the Butts. <laughs> I saw it coming. I know. News. I did, too. He's really excited about that. Oh, um, uh. <laughs> Stephanie also likes black coffee, red wine, and tacos. She is the pub emo correspondent. <laughs> Which is a 
is an obscure but important position for it's which not. she is abundantly qualified. <laughs> she uh, recently achieved troll level expert. Um, troll level expert. Yeah, I read that weird. Um, <laughs> Shocking. She's, she's also looking forward to the pastor drinking something on her dime. Um, she just wants to say thank you for the pastors and the pub for being her church family when she needed one the most. Ooh, yeah. Oh, and she said, and uh, give Michael money for a new computer. So, yeah, yeah. that's what she said. Definitely. All right. His is a sack of crap. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd like to buy a round, uh, a round on us. It's really to. one step away from caveman banging rocks together mm-hmm. is really what it is. What are you talking about? Your, Your computer. computer. Yeah. Yep. I think it was built around that time too. Yeah, it's the last of the recording? white. It's the last of the white. Uh, <laughs> I feel remiss if I didn't ask. Computers. Yeah, it's. I mean, as far as I know, who knows? All right. This is a new system. So Do we need to stop and check? No, we already did a sound check. I'm sure it's fine. As we lose the entire podcast, we're not going to lose the entire podcast. <laughs> if you'd like to buy us around, go to patreon.com slash pastors podcast. Um, you, if you join the Pastors Club, you also get uh, official membership cards thanks to an at Namway Design on Twitter. Have we sent those out yet? Uh, we have not. I've been writing songs instead. So um, Michael's been otherwise. I don't occupied. have all the addresses either, so I got to work on that. Um, if you're a fi- an official turd and would like to, me to send you a membership card, just yep. slide into my DMs. Yep, they're really well done too. Yeah, yeah they are. They're, they're not awesome. just cheap like like they're thick and yeah, they're good. They're good. Well, really well done. This week, uh, discussed in the pub, Care Bear Stairs. Um, <laughs> more progressive pastors getting shit-canned. Um, mm. A Colorado turd hangout. So a lot of our, yeah, our that was cool. people from Colorado. Love that crap, man. Just, yeah. like people just, people ra- just randomly getting together. They don't, don't know each other. Yeah, we Love also, it. also talked about uh, Saint, or Saint Francis, Pope Francis. Uh, <laughs> Brad, close, close enough. Yeah, Brad's crystal ball. Um, and... Uh, Abortion. We talked about that today. Yeah, we did. So, um, yeah. Did you give any context to the Care Bear Stare thing? Um, no. Talk about okay, that. So we were, the the whole discussion was um, that somebody mentioned that when they say they're praying for somebody, it almost feels like they're basically just saying they would send Care Bear Stares in, your, in somebody's <laughs> direction. Like, so now when a lot of times, a lot of people in the pub when they say when somebody asks for prayer for something, people will say, "I'm sending you Care Bear Stares," mm-hmm. and it's kind of it's kind of been morphed into something that originally meant people say that and don't really care, but it actually now it means that people actually care. It's yeah. kind of cool. I actually didn't get the the origin story of that, but <clears throat> I always thought it was just was a positive thing people were yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. Now they send pictures of the Care Bears. Yes, they do. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I got a lot of Care Bear stares the other night while I was uh, sitting in the emergency room. With yeah, the, can we talk about Matt's... With the needle uh, on my arm and my thumb up my ass? Can we talk about Matt's heart? Collapsing, collapsing in on itself like a dying star. Yeah. So let's just let's just set this up. So the night before, can I set it up? Because no, what no, happened no, to no. me. Or, okay, no, you go no, ahead and no, tell my story. I'll, we'll tell shit. your story later. You can tell your part of it, but I my Taco part of Bell it. And no, the night, the night before, he ate the the freaking Taco Bell and the new taco, the chicken oh my taco, God, the chicken so patty. Freaking good, man! And I would the, eat that shit right now if somebody brought it to my house. Sends us is. a message. And then he really he learns eats, his lesson. This one. Then he eats Arby's <laughs> the next day for for lunch. That didn't even yeah. include breakfast. What'd you have for breakfast? Probably a pop. I didn't. I didn't have anything for. I don't generally eat breakfast. So I'll two, stop and get like in a granola two bar. consecutive Some meals. Beef jerky at the gas station. Consecutive <laughs> meals. He has Taco Bell, 
chicken shell taco. God, it was good, man. And then Arby's in consecutive meals, and he wonders why his heart explodes. And so tell us about what happened after that, Matt. Well, like all morning. So, so, sir, your heart is four times the size of a normal human. <laughs> <laughs> we poked it, and it just congealed. Um, so I woke up in the morning, and I was I felt like just was struggling to like draw a full breath. Like My chest didn't hurt. And I was just struck. Yeah, it's hilarious. I was just struggling to draw full breath. So I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. You know, it's what makes it hilarious is the fact that you ate that shitty taco <laughs> and then you had breathing problems. Well, I ate that taco and then chased it with three more tacos. So, um, <laughs> so uh, um, Matt's a husky kid walking up the hill. <laughs> Kids just say, he's laying in bed. So I went to, so I went to work. I had a couple calls in Indy. So I did the one call, and was fine. Went to the other call, and I was kind of driving up there. And I was like, like I really can't draw a full, like a full breath. You know how you sort of, if you have chest congestion, or yeah, something? I have asthma. I get it. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's kind of what it felt like. Yeah. And, and then I started getting you know, like just not sharp pains, but just like everyone's like a little pulse in my chest. And I was like, well, that can't be right. <laughs> so I called Beth. I was at my second job, and I called Beth, and I was like, can you make an just make an appointment for a doctor? Like, see if you can find me a doctor. Just make an appointment. She's so like, nah, you're good. <laughs> just walk it off. So I finished that job and <laughs> eat some Arby's, and I got sent to For- I got sent to Fort Wayne. <laughs> you, know, you, know, look, you know what I love? I see. I didn't know that you yeah. felt like shit before Arby's, and you still were like, I think I might be having a heart attack. You know what this needs? Fucking curly fries. Yeah. You I think idiot. I need some cheddar cheese. God, liquid cheddar cheese. <laughs> can I get some of that uh, juice? I don't sauce? want a sandwich. Do you have a syringe, and I can inject it straight into my arteries? So can I have a apple turnover too? <laughs> so I went to. I drove up to Fort Wayne. A cup of icing. Extra <laughs> icing. Yeah, extra icing. <laughs> well, so. icing on the top, then I want to also dip it in icing. <laughs> God, you put, you're Can dumb. you put the icing on the on the roast beef? <laughs> can I get extra icing on top of my icing? <laughs> I'd like a beef and cheddar, but I don't want the beef. I just want cheddar in a bun. Can you put icing on my beef and cheddar? <laughs> can you squirt a little bit of icing in my Pepsi, too? <laughs> I'd like a Diet Coke. I'd never drink that shit. Light ice. <laughs> Are you done now? <laughs> so anyway, so I went to Fort Wayne, which is another hour and a half north. And I was like, well, shit, I probably need to get to a doctor at some point. So I had to do that call. Then I got two more calls up there and had to run those. So by that point, I was still having trouble breathing, and I was like, or drawing that full breath. I mean, I could breathe fine. I just couldn't draw that full breath. I was yawning a lot. And I was like, well, that can't be right. So I went to a kind of a urgent care sort of place that was in our network in Greenwood. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I probably should stop by and get that looked at. Did an EKG. Nothing was wrong. My blood pressure was like... Through one, the roof. It was like 150 over 110 when I got Jesus. there. Jesus. <laughs> God, so, that's horrible. So that's freaking supernova, man. <laughs> so basically, I could pump jet fuel into an actual aircraft. I, um, you can like literally hear your heart going, fuck off. <laughs> you may have a problem. <laughs> Dude, go on a diet. I can't so, do this anymore. <laughs> so they did that. They did chest x-ray to see if there was pneumonia and asked me a bunch of questions, listened to everything. Everything sounded fine. Heart sounded fine. EKG was fine. Did you mean pneumonia? So I got to... <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, Michael's a funny one. I don't know why that I don't either. I don't know why. I don't either. It's just, I think it's the face. I know it he is. He was making the He was face. really proud of that joke. That was the world's shittiest joke, and he was absolutely proud of it. <laughs> Pneumonia. Pneumonia. <laughs> Mick Curly. <laughs> so, 
So I went to, so I went there. She's like, look, here's the, you have two options here. One, you could ignore whatever this is. <laughs> they kept like, taking my seems blood. Seems like a great option. So my blood pressure was, kept, my blood pressure came down a little bit. It was still like 130 over like 95. Still pretty, eh, it's not bad. Not terrible. Is there not, a helicopter going on right now? Yes, there is. Oh, neat. Um, bad boys, bad boys. <laughs> what you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Bad boys, bad boys. This is the world's longest story, and there's like literally no payoff to it because you guys keep interrupting. So anyway, she said, I, I would actually encourage you to go to an emergency room and get a couple other tests done that they can do their test for the heart enzymes to see if you actually had any damage to your heart and to check for blood clot in the lungs, which was also a possibility because it, it would cause you also, to struggle. Also fun. Yeah, also, yeah, I kind of would rather have the heart attack rather than a blood clot. So, <laughs> Well, which, you're, you're well on your way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Called Beth, told her what was up. We went to the hospital at night. Uh, they did another EKG. It was fine. Another goddamn chest X-ray. So like, I've got like twelve trillion dollars in X-rays and EKGs just waiting for me out there. Trillion. So did blood, whole bunch of blood work, no clot, no fucking nothing. Ended up with a goddamn inhaler. <laughs> That's what I ended after. I like, could have given you one of those know, for like, free. I've got a house full of them. A butyrol inhaler. That's what they gave me. So they didn't nice. diagnose you with literally. They said anything. they said there's no there's no evidence. The, nothing came back with a blood clot. No evidence of pneumonia. EKG was fine. Uh, blood pressure came down <laughs> relatively normal. So keep an eye on your blood pressure. <laughs> so this is classic little brother. So Asthmatic he, Matt. So you, he calls me and actually no, I, you didn't even call me. I freaking found out about it on uh, the pub. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Appreciate the heads up. So, you know, find out he's in the okay, hospital. Wait, Michael no, wait, calls me. No, wait. My Shut first thought. Up for my me. first thought is not. Ah, oh, man, I hope he's all right. My first thought is we're supposed to record an interview tonight. This fucks up our plan. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, you can't do that. Fucks up our plan. <laughs> no, we can't do that. That fucks up our plan. So we actually, actually, uh, still recorded the interview we went to Matt's house. <laughs> And recorded it. Michael and I set up. I told you interview. to. I told you to. Yeah, I know, but it's still, I feel kind of bad about it. It's me and Michael and uh, and Elijah and Jude. Yeah. <laughs> By the end of the night, I just told him you were gone and I was their new daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and sent me pictures saying that, which yep. was great. Yep. So. Uh, so anyway, right. apparently I'm fine. So. Yep. Well, that's to be to yeah. just, yeah. just make sure you don't do anything to correct your terrible. Well, the uh, I think the I think the Matt Polly. Uh, <laughs> Running program starts tomorrow. There so. it is. <laughs> Last uh, three days. Say it ends midweek next week. <laughs> and three, yeah. and three. I've I've seen this movie. I know yeah. how it ends. No, three, I usually get, I usually get a good month in before I'm like a okay, three week uh, extensive or a three day extensive okay, so program. He said, he said a month. You want to take a bet? I'm giving it two weeks. I'm giving it three days, bro. <laughs> Oh, I'll do it just to fuck, with, <laughs> fuck both of you. I'm over. giving him. I'm go giving put, him. Hey, go ahead and put money down on it. <laughs> okay. If you last more than a how month, how many days a week you want me to run? If you last more than a month. How many days a week? Six. No, no. Six goddamn days a I week. Say, I'll, I'll say three. If you last more than a month. Like running three days a week. Running three days a oh week. Oh, God. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, but see, there's no way to keep him accountable. He'd totally lie. Well, you, no, I'll do I'll have Here's the thing. I'll have Beth confirm It's it. Matt. He's, he's going he's gonna to write it on Facebook that he went on a jog. <laughs> he's going to have that little map thing. He's have a selfie. He's going to say, do it. Jogging, hey. my jogging selfie. Okay, what's the bet then? And then he's going to post what you what. to. If I do it, for, what's your bet? <laughs> I was going to give you 20 bucks. I'm not giving you shit. Six pack. Bet, got, each bet me a six pack. Yeah, I'm not betting you a six pack because you know I'll do it. No, you won't do it. It's free beer, bro. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He'll do it for beer. All right, I'm not, no. Uh huh. So put your money where your mouth is. No, shut I'm the just, fuck up. If saying, you do it for a month, I'll do it either a six pack or a four pack. Three days a week. If it's a good at least beer. three days a week. Three days a week. Okay. Yeah. 
jumping in there, big guy? No. Then shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yep. I, I'm it. Right. You, you can't do it for a month. No way. Starting start tomorrow. <laughs> Okay. I'll do it. All right. So you only have to do only have to do twice this week then, since Wednesday. Okay. No, make him do it three times. I'm off this no. weekend. I'll run. Th- I'll run. I'll do three. That's fine. Okay. I'll do Thursday, Friday, Saturday. All right. You heard it. It's on the it's on the dark net. That's People fine. know about it now. All right. This is the longest it's taken to get to this. <laughs> oh God, we are to the newsfeed. Yeah. Let's go first. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, I got a good story, actually. Uh, I feel like we need one of those. Yeah. Uh, this came. This is from uh, January twenty fifth. Uh, three white men leave black DC waitress four hundred fifty dollar tip with note. I saw not this. race, not gender, just American. A black DC waitress uh, received a pleasant surprise <clears> Monday <throat> while working her usual shift at Bus Boys and Poets. This was around the inauguration. So yeah, uh, Rosalind Harris. Went to work, still in a great mood from Saturday's Women's March in Washington. The optimism of her customers of the weekend had been contagious, and so she was particularly upbeat as she got to a table of three white men in her section around mid-morning. According to the Post, they all chatted warmly with the men revealing that they were from West Texas. One man was a dentist and complimented her on her smile. But what Harris never expected was for him to leave her a $450 tip on their $72 bill attached to a personal note. We may come from different cultures and may disagree on certain issues, but if everyone would share their smile and kindness like your beautiful smile, our country will come together as one people. The note read, not race, not gender, just American. God bless. More of that, please. Yeah. yeah. Um, from both sides. More and she, of that she from admits, side. Uh, Harris admits that she assumed the men were in town for President Trump's inauguration. God, I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> I, I literally almost gag every time I say President Trump. Dark Lord Cheeto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hashtag that shit. That yeah, I got hashtag. it. Um, unconsciously prejudging them based on their notes. She's probably right, though it's hard to know for sure. Um, they're from West Texas. I'm <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good sign. Yeah. Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, However, she, fine. Yeah, if you want to support Trump and you're going to do stuff like this, fine. Yeah, fine. Yes. Um, you automatically assume if someone supports Trump <laughs> that they have ideas about you, she said, but the customer is more embracing than even some of my more liberal friends, and there was a real authenticity in our exchange. Uh, it was always pleasant when people put their money where the mouth is, and the four hundred fifty dollars tip certainly did quite a bit to help her. Uh, she's a professional dancer who started waitressing to make extra money to pay her bills, and uh, she told the post that she needs to move into a new apartment soon and was worried about how she'd gather the cash to pay the upfront cost. But the extra four hundred fifty is a huge weight off her shoulders. Awesome, yeah, that's Some neat. More of that shit. Neato. I'm a professional dancer. <laughs> yeah, right. Indeed. <laughs> no, I can't dance. Put Nobody. it up on Facebook. Uh, this guy got a bionic penis, but he'll have to survive a two-week <laughs> erection before he can enjoy it. Sweet. Wait, two-week Wait. erection? That sounds like fun to me. Steve mm, Austin's know. bionic penis. I'm pretty sure. That sounds like a Ron Jeremy film. I think film. a two-week two boner would be not, if not, not a lot of fun. No. Is this Ron Jeremy acting like he's the bionic <laughs> Two-week erection, a.k.a. my junior high years. Thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. No, nothing further. <laughs> <laughs> the defense rest, Your Honor. Uh, so this guy, um, Adam Wardle, he was born it's without pronounced, a dong. It's pronounced, it's pronounced McCurley. He was. <laughs> you're terrible. You're terrible. That was at Polly named Matt. Dong, um, dong, dong, dong. Adam Wardle. He's so. <laughs> That's the dog song. <laughs> that was, like the that was pretty good. <laughs> I got this stuck in my head now. Yep. 
I'm going to wake up at 2.30 this morning going dong to dong, dong, dong in my head. You dick. Oh, I love it. Okay. So um, he was born with uh, his bladder formed on the outside of his body. So he's born without a dong. Poor guy. Woof. So the guy's 40. He's wow. probably stoked to have a two-weeker. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say when you've gone forty years without a penis. Yep, two weeks. Sure, wow, why not? Forty years. <clears> he's married. So, um, he and his wife went on a show and they talked about. Um, it says while having a bionic penis sounds like it could be incredible. There's a particularly um tough drawback. <laughs> so basically, doctors can't be sure that the penis is fully functional until Wordle gets an erection. But one that lasts two straight weeks. Now, why Jeez. I don't really know. Like it, this is where I'm really sad because it says that it can't be activated with the push of a button. Why not? Like that? How Dang awesome it. would that have been if he can just go? And you literally hear it. It just like you hear the steam goes. Goes. Or it works like those Reebok pump shoes when I was in middle school. <laughs> and you pump it up. <clears throat> it should. Get on that science. So does, does so, it... Um, question here. Does it squirt semen? I Well, I, it doesn't say. Doesn't I say. Is it just a dildo on a, a dude? No, I, <laughs> it's not like they super glued it on I there. I don't know, man. I, it doesn't give a ton of details. I... I mean, feel free to do your own dark net research there, hey buddy. Guy, but Pixar didn't happen. Mm, send yeah. those to Michael. Don't send them to me. That's it. That's at MJ, at it, MJ Basinger. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, he that's. Uh, I don't under. I'm not sure why the two weeks. Like, I mean, they like, need to you, see if it works. You, well, but I mean, how if it works, f- it works. Yeah. Why do you need a two week? Like, I would think you'd want it to go up and then come back down like normal. Yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah. Does I, it stay up every time for two weeks? Does I don't know. I don't fucking know. There's really not a lot of information. Really, here. I'm glad you're prepared for this because we've got a lot of questions. Every as, time this as man, I really should have known. Yeah, you should have known. Every time this man fornicates, it's going to take two weeks for it to go down. With his fascination with with penises, apparently, like you should probably avoid all <clears> stories <throat> like that. If it's like a, if it's like like attached to like his, you know, being excited about things <laughs> his wife does every time he gets a little bit excited does it start a new two weeks or does it like i i would walk around with the fucking boner wow i don't really want to hear all this. the time why is he still talking i don't know can we we're gonna have to edit that out i don't want to hear that again why 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 did i pick that story? i don't know i could have chosen a really nice story of a woman living through a tornado in a bathtub but i, I know i heard that story too dun, i had a story dun, about dun, a moose dun, that just dun, got into uh, a family's basement i could have read that one okay so moving on from that i have one more oh, <clears throat> man. oh what do you mean um i want to read this did you guys see the letter that sufjan stevens wrote to america about the immigration no thing? i'm sure it's no. epic was it real ambient I said letter, not song, Michael. I know. So, wait, are you not a Sufjan guy? I, I like Sufjan. I got to I got Billy doesn't, but Billy yeah. has no musical taste. He does. It's just all steam. All right. So, um, anyway, so this is what he wrote. I'm going to read it. I'm, I'm going to read the whole thing. So, Sufjan, if you don't know, Sufjan Stevens is a Christian. He's a goddamn American treasure. Like, he and he's, yeah, he's incredibly talented. He's also a Christian. <clears throat> um, Best Sufjan album? Boy, you know, 
Holy shit. I probably would have said Illinois. That's what I would say, until Illinois. Carrie and until Carrie and Lowell came out. That album, yeah. wow. I got to stick with Illinois. That album is just incredible. <sighs> yeah. Like, it's one of those, it's one of those that if it hits me at the right time, I'll cry. Yeah. Like, when you know the backstory to the Carrie and Lowell, mm-hmm. when the whole thing's about his dead mom, and mm-hmm. like his, yeah, I mean, in reconciling cool. all of that. The whole album's about just death and it's and crazy remembrance. Yeah. Oh my god! Anyway, John Wayne, Ga- John Wayne Gacy oh, Jr. Song. GTS. That song's yeah. ridiculous. Okay, so anyway, he says this: uh, America, there is really no such thing as an illegal, illegal immigrant. For we are all immigrants and refugees in a wildly changing world that is dominated by superfluous boundaries built by blood and war. We all come from somewhere else. The truest of Americans have either been destroyed by the white immigrant, incarcerated, isolated, held captive, or stolen and enslaved. We are all complicit in the injustices against basic human rights and common decency, to put it mildly, which renders our own inalienable rights as questionable or obsolete. In short, our freedom and privilege are predicated on the unfortunate events that led to the decimation and alienation of others. This is what it means to be free. I regret to inform you this is not God-ordained, but it is But it is fact. The only outcome will be serious moral, spiritual, and political recompense. America, we will pay for our sins and the sins of our forefathers. Wait for it and embrace it. It will be a beautiful reckoning, a born-again experience. The fire next time is happening now. Whew. This is not apocalyptic or eschatological hysteria. This is called the laws of physics the laws of justice, and the laws of love. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction, and Christ calls us to turn the other cheek. Everything is possible. Not everything is permissible. But change is inevitable. Embrace it. The world is abundant. We are merely stewards. The life you live is not your own. In the meantime, I charge you to eradicate barriers, physical and social, and listen and learn from each other. Embrace each other help each other, and work on transforming your mind and your behavior in the direction of love. This is not new age balderdash. This is what it means to be a human being. Christ would be ashamed of us all. I love you and I pray for you daily. Sincerely, Sufjan Stevens. You know, we've talked about... that dude can write. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, friends. It's that time of the week... He's going to ruin this. ...where Michael has a deep thought. He's going to ruin it. Here it comes. Fuck Yeah. (laughs) Well, friends, that was it. Um, you know, we've talked about how, you know, we talked about the refining fire and you know, basically a sense of judgment coming like yep. on America. We've talked about that in terms of the church too, that mm-hmm. I think we're in, I think we're in the last dying gasps of the institutional church as it stands right now. Yeah. It will always exist in some form, but I think it's, I think it's, these are the dying gasps of that. And I Change think, is coming. I man. think what's going to be born out of that is what we've been seeing in the pub, and, and that's and what, what we've I, been seeing. Yeah. Um, that's that's what I've been. I've, that's my biggest hope yeah. for what comes out of this Trump crap is that something. Assuming we're not all ash, ash and dust from <laughs> the shadows, nuclear holocaust shadows on my step, but something ri- rises from the ashes. That something from good's going to rise up because it, people are awake now. Yeah. Like, yeah, kind of were lulled into a slumber. I I know personally. I'm more resolved to actually be involved. And I'm not just talking, I'm not really talking in politics. Like it's, it's shown me it's, I wouldn't say shown like I'm a finished thing. It is showing me the ways that I'm full of shit. I put that on the the other day. Like 
it's causing me to have to be better and to strive to be better. Um, and I don't think I'm alone in that. I think no, that I think that's so a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I just, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm really hopeful despite all the insane craziness going on that something good is going to be birthed out of this because, you know, it's kind of like when we, when we interviewed Rob Bell, he was talking about, you know, he, he, we, somebody asked about hope and he said, you know, <clears throat> there's a difference between hope and optimism is that mm-hmm. optimism is like this vague idea that things are going to get better, but hope is um, born out of suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you talked about Desmond Tutu, uh, who has seen the worst genocide and then seen the reconciliation that can come from that. Uh, the Dalai Lama, mm-hmm. you know, is fighting with China for his entire life. Yeah. Like he's seen suffering of his people and himself. And um, that out of that, when you said when you meet them, they're, they, they, they're, they smile. Like yeah. there's a hope that was born out of suffering. And that I think that if we can stick with it and actually have the right motives and get away from our own violent reactions, something good can be birthed from this. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I just, I don't know, man, I thought that letter was really And that's kind of my hope for the church too. I mean, I, you know, Michael always says the church is a whore. She is my mother, you know, quoting St. Augustine. And I really hope that something is, is going to come out of, I mean, this insanity of, Guys like Franklin Graham, I know and, even guys and Jerry even, Falwell Jr. who are like celebrate like they're only they're only concerned with abortion. Period. In the story, they I know don't care cons- about anything I else. Know, but I know conservative people right now that are going, yeah. "Man, this is ugly. Yeah. Like this is not Mm-mm. not yeah. like it's this not is conservative. It's not it's authoritarianism." Yeah. When John McCain basically condemns when Dick Cheney is going, yeah. "This is not who we are." Dick Cheney was one of the worst human beings to yes. ever set foot in the White House yep. up until now. Yeah. And he's even he's going whoa mm, too far. Not really sure this is. Well, a good somebody idea. said when you have uh, Dick Cheney, uh, Michael Moore, and Pope Francis all on the same page, yeah. <laughs> you've really <laughs> stepped you've in. Done it. You've done something wrong. wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yep. If you can get them to agree on anything, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So anyway, I I I thought that letter was yeah, good. really well written. Yeah. So that's going to be posted on the uh, our Facebook page. So yeah. all right. Florida man has best excuse ever for being naked at a car wash. <laughs> and there it is. It probably should just end Florida man. Probably should end it with yours. You've heard of the naked truth. What about naked alternative facts? Um, <laughs> police in Pensacola arrested 52-year-old Charles William Rollerson uh, early Sunday after getting calls about him. Rollerson. Rollerson. Is he related to Randy? Randy. Randy. It's been a long time since we talked about Randy. Um, <laughs> Randy Rollison. <laughs> uh, they got a call about a naked man in the car wash parking lot. Um, responding officers reported seeing Rollerson standing around without pants, blaring music same, from his vehicle. Same. So he was standing outside of his vehicle with the music turned up so he could hear it. Um, I mean, why? Why not? How do you guys? How do you guys wash? <laughs> I was going to say, is this not is this not normal? I live so, on dead end uh, street, man. That's how I wash my car all the time. So Rollerson, uh, when the deputies asked him to put some clothes on, um, the response he gave was uh, a alternative fact, and he said um, <laughs> they took off running by themselves without me. So <laughs> he couldn't put on pants because like if you're the cop responding, they're like. How do you respond? Yeah. Like, how do you even respond to that? Uh, he went on to um, uh, 
<laughs> he went on and threatened the officer with the screwdriver. Um, yeah, he probably don't want to do that. Is that a euphemism? Yes. No. He, uh, <laughs> yes. No. Or an actual screwdriver. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the uh, when he tried to get out of his car again, the officer tried uh, or shocked him with a taser. <laughs> Please tell me they shot it right into his ball sack. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> um, and he was also charged with aggravated assault on an officer, a second degree felony. Don't so. tase my ball sack, bro. <laughs> if you want to release this guy out into the wild, go to the Escambia uh, County Jail for $500. You can see this guy, I guess. You, as, you can bail him out. It's ladies, not his, ladies, it's not he's probably, ladies, he's probably single. Uh, yeah. I can almost guarantee he is. Um, yeah. There's a good picture of him, too. Um I don't know that he has a full set of teeth. I'm not sure. I'm going to go ahead and say no. Uh, another one. Um, so the uh, Ambrosia Clinic. Ambrosia? Ambrosia. Ambrosia Clinic. Oh, man. I wish every, you could see me shaking my head. Every, yeah. Dear listeners. Every damn week, <laughs> man. Uh, for $8,000, they will... Uh, Will fill your veins with the blood of young people. Boy, that seems like a really bad idea. Yep, you can get um, you for eight thousand dollars. They can completely change your blood uh, and plasma of teenagers and young adults, so that you can die again, die at the same age. Like so dumb. God, you're going to die. Like it's going to happen. Like. Just yeah. accept the fact you're going like, to if die. If anybody needs any evidence that we live in a death-denying culture, like Jeez. that right there, that is pure insanity. They say within one month, uh, most participants see improvements. Like That's the kind of shit you read in like an Aldous Huxley novel. Yeah. Like yeah. some dystopian... What is this, 1984? I mean, that is just yeah. crazy. Speaking yeah. of which, uh, Amazon sold out of 1984. Did you hear that? <laughs> uh, George Orwell's novel. They, like the day after the inauguration, they sold out. Shocker. Yeah. Did you see that Ray moved his uh, 1984 to from fiction to nonfiction? Yeah, <laughs> I did see that. Yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's yeah, it's not a great idea to do that. Um, no. Yeah. You you're still gonna die. Like it's not. You're not going to put off death. Like, it's just not going to happen. I really don't get it. It should also be noted the person doing this is an MD with no license to practice medicine. Yeah, Yeah, really. There it is. Super (laughs) shocked. We call them charlatans. That's what we call them. Gosh. It's called a snake oil salesman. Look it up. Yep. This is crazy. Karma's in. Did you see it? I saw a tweet where it's completely unrelated, but it has to do with death. Uh, An asteroid passed closer than the moon to us. Oh. 45,000 miles that's, away. That's fun. So somebody tweeted that and said, please come back. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> um, and lastly, I want to, this is a, a different thing, but I want to uh, promote another podcast, the Daily Liturgy Podcast. Um, I don't got necessarily... got it on my feed now. You mentioned it. So. Yeah, I don't necessarily promote the church behind it, but like it's it's a pretty simple church, or uh, simple liturgy where they have some prayers interspersed with some scripture reading. It's really good. Uh, the church is, is down with the uh, Gospel Coalition, uh, which, screw Yeesh. those guys. But uh, that that doesn't come into play, and that's uh, yeah. just because I did some research. But the Daily Liturgy podcast is pretty legit. It's got some... Um, yeah, it's good. It's it's w- very well produced. Uh, I highly yeah. recommend it. I've been looking for that for, for quite a few years. Just something that I could yeah. listen to on my car ride, some scripture. Good. So highly recommend. Good. So yeah. Check it out. That's 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 about all we got for this segment, guys. You got anything else? Nope. No. 
All right. Um, here we go. Further up, further up, further up, further in. Yeah. So we're about to um, interview Morgan Guyton. Uh, it should be noted that Matt is not here because he was in the hospital <laughs> during this Because his part. heart was collapsing in on itself like a dying star. Yeah, so um, yeah. So we're going to interview Morgan Guyton. Uh, he's a really cool dude. He's going to ex- kind of explain who he is um, in the interview. But uh, His he's book. Got a book? Yeah. Yes, we talk con- con- uh, extensively about his book. Yep, so, so check it out. Yep. All right, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, real quickly, um, could you share with us, with our listeners a little bit about, uh, who is Morgan Guyton? All right. So I am a United Methodist campus minister. I'm currently based in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I have been here for about two and a half years. Awesome. Um, and I am co-directing, um, the Nola Wesley, uh, campus ministry with my wife, Cheryl. Awesome. Um, tell so, us, uh, tell <clears throat> us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. What's your story? All right. How how uh, how much time I got? Uh, as much <laughs> as you want. Cool. So I grew up Southern Baptist, um, but moderate Southern Baptist. Um, wow, I didn't, know, I didn't know that was, was a thing. Yeah, right. Well, they don't have liberals. They have moderates. <laughs> moderate means that you're you vote flaming for somebody liberal. like moderate means you vote for somebody like Marco Rubio. Uh, um, ah, gotcha. You gotcha. know, as opposed to Ted Cruz. So gotcha. it's like Marco over Ted. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, um, yeah. So we were, uh, we were, and we were from Texas. And my grandpa, who's sort of a stereotypical. Te- he's he was a Texas Baptist oil man, you know, Republican, um, and uh, he was a regent at Baylor University, um, and but was very very adamantly opposed to fundamentalism. Um, Interesting. And I, so I was growing up in the during the takeover of the Southern Baptist Convention by the fundamentalists, and that was really definitive for me was to. Um, to be in a world of, of moderate evangelicalism that was very vehemently defining itself against fundamentalism. Um, so, so yeah, so I grew up in that world and, um, and I always say that moderate evangelicals, or at least in my experience, you know, having been one, it's like you believe all the same things that the fundamentalists believe, but you're really embarrassed and conflicted about it. <laughs> You know, it's yeah. like you you don't you don't have the balls to actually say, nah, you know, um, screw hell. I don't you know I don't believe in that anymore. Or um, you know, or making you know, going outside of you know outside of the the bounds. Um, but you just kind of you're you're just kind of him uh, and haw, I guess, about some of the more controversial beliefs and so forth. Um, so anyway, so I went went off to um, college at the University of Virginia. And I got involved with a campus ministry that was pr- more conservative than, than I grew up with. Uh, so it was InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and there are many different um, InterVarsity chapters out there, um, you know, with a range of, of views. Of course, now um, InterVarsity has officially said that if you support gay people, then you have to resign. Uh, yeah. uh, 
which sucks. But, uh, you know, at least they're, you know, showing their true colors. Because um, a lot of times with these evangelical student groups, you know, they're kind of clandestine about their actual theology. And right. they, you know, tend to be all friendly and then, you know, seduce people. And then, um, you know, they kind of pounce on them when they try to go um, – into leadership positions. Gotcha. And so anyway, so that's basically what happened to me was I um, was nominated to be on the exec committee or whatever it was uh, for our university chapter. And there was a sheet of paper with a bunch of things that I had to sign. Um, and I don't even think I read it really. I was just like, <laughs> okay, whatever. If I've got to sign it, then sure, I'll just sign it, you know. <laughs> but there was another guy who was kind of an arch rival of mine. And he said, you can't sign that because it says that, um, you believe in biblical inerrancy and I know that you don't. And, um, and part of the issue was that, you know, that I was, I was pretty confident that the, um, you know, the story of Noah's Ark wasn't a literal historical event. Um, and so, um, so anyway, so he challenged me on it and, and really I was kind of, um, there were other things that were going on at the time. And so I basically said, screw it. And I tore the piece of paper up, put it in the trash and they just didn't go to, um, go to IV after that. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So then I wandered for a while. Um, and I found myself in Toledo, Ohio. Um, I was working for labor union, really high stress job. And, um, I was kind of working hard and partying hard, um, at the same time, which, was sort of burning my candle at both ends. And I ended up going to a Methodist church that happened to be in um, in the neighborhood. And when I walked into the church, I realized that I was one of maybe two or three straight people in the room. Hmm. Wow. And, you know, I just remember thinking, well, if there are gay people here, then it's probably okay for me to be here because they're not going to judge me. They can't be yeah. fundamentalists. Right. And so I, I'm, you know, I must be safe here. And yeah. And so I, it was, it was just a really life transforming experience. We, um, I got into a small group, um, with basically, um, mostly, uh, 60 year old lesbians and I was you say kind of the 20 years old, 60 years, old. 60 year old lesbians. And nice. I was the 20, 23 year old, um, guy <laughs> nice. and they, and they were all, so I basically had all these moms that, um, that took care of me. And, um, and we read Henry Nowen's life of the beloved together. Nice. And that completely changed everything for me. Um, reading that and being in that context of reading it, basically in the midst of people who, I mean, all of them had just horrible stories of the way that the church had treated them. And, uh, you know, being in a space of people who had been rejected by the church, being accepted by people who had been rejected, like that, that just changed my life. And, um, and so really, after that experience, uh, I think that was the first time that I discovered what I felt like was a, a real solid alternative to the evangelical understanding of the gospel. And, um, cause before that it was kind of like, well, I don't really 
I don't really like a lot of the things that um, that the evangelicals are saying, but I don't think there's an alternative that's that's actually viable, that's actually legitimate. Sure. Yeah. And um, and so that was kind of when the door opened for that, and I just I've kind of been on a journey ever since then um, of discovering just alternatives, um, or as I put it in my book, um, antidotes to toxic Christianity. That's awesome. Yeah, so about your book, uh, the book is called How Jesus Saves the World from Us, 12 Antidotes to Toxic Christianity. Um, I am always fascinated by how books come to be. Um, Mm. And I was wondering, do you have, could you tell us a little bit about um, how the book sort of, like what was your impetus for writing the book? Uh, was there a flashpoint event that has sort of ignited your passion to write it, or was it just kind of a slowly unfolding feeling that it needed to be done? Mm. So in in the book I talk about there was a there's an incident that happened um, when I was in my first summer internship uh, during seminary um, in the summer of two thousand eight. Yeah, and. Um, I was um, so I was working at this summer camp um, in a in a rough part of town in Durham, North Carolina, and um, and there was a homeless man asleep on the sidewalk, and we had been um, in in the church where I was serving. We had been going through the lectionary, which was kind of a new thing for me. I don't know if your listeners understand the concept of the lectionary, but it's just. Um, Four scripture readings that uh, that follow a calendar. Yeah, and so you um, you have an Old Testament reading, a Psalm, a Gospel reading, and an Epistle every every Sunday, and you just read. You know, not everybody reads all four of them, but in this particular church, we did. And so we were going through the Gospel of Matthew, and um, and we came to Matthew nine thirteen, where it says, um, Jesus says to the Pharisees. Go and find out what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Yeah. And then a couple weeks later, Matthew 12, 7, Jesus says, if you had found out what it means that I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not condemn the innocent. And so I've got this phrase in my head, you know, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And I'm trying to figure out what in the world does that mean? Uh, what does that mean about God? What, you know? And so I'm so I'm at the summer camp. There's a homeless man asleep on the sidewalk, and the the ladies who were um, in charge of the camp said, you know, Morgan, can you you know can you go out and wake him up and get him to move on his way? And um, so I went out and open and woke the guy up, and he started just cussing me out and and freaking out. It was clear that you know he was delusional, you know, or um, on drugs or something like it was just he was just an altered state of consciousness and very, very agitated. And um, and so so I figured I would um, turn around and and leave because I was afraid he was going to get violent. So as I turned around to walk away, he says, where's your fucking mercy, man? Oh, man. man. Yeah, I remember that that story in the book. And that was pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, I was like, God just dropped the f bomb on me, you yeah. know. And um, so I went and I sat on the ground in front of him, and I was like, Lord, show me whatever it is that you have to show me. There was um, a guy, um, I, I I call him Wayne in the book, um, who came out um, and he was he's a black man, um, very very wonderful man, um, very gentle and friendly and. 
and, and very just dedicated to the church. I mean, he just he spent so many hours volunteering there. And the homeless man is a white guy. And um, and Wayne comes out and he he knows the guy by name. And he's, you know, just just say, speaking very graciously to him, saying, you know, hey, um, you know, I, I'd love to give you some food. But right now we've got this uh, this children's camp. I need you to I need you to um, to head out for a little bit. But you can come back later this afternoon. And the homeless man, you know, just starts calling him the N word and saying it over and over and over again. And it was the first time I'd ever seen a black man called that to his face. And so I was just beside myself, you know, trying to, you know, I was like, I was like, what, what happens? This is like the, the space time continuum, you know, gets collapsed. Like right. when that kind of thing happens, I mean, I, I just didn't grow up around it. And, um, and Wayne was the embodiment of mercy. You know, he didn't even change the tone of his voice, how he was talking to this guy. You know, and eventually the police had to come and, and, and take the guy away. I mean, but um, what God wanted me to see was how Wayne embodied his mercy in that kind of situation. And so that became my quest. It was like, I need to learn how to be a Christian like he is. Um, I need to learn how to how to be someone who, who lives according to mercy, not sacrifice. And um, yeah, so basically that became, yeah, this kind of, this, this kind of quest. And over time I discovered that there were other things, other kind of uh, dichotomies that, that were part of the journey, you know, so there's mercy, not sacrifice. That's where I started. Right. And then I ended up coming up with 11 other ones on like worship, not performance, communion, not correctness and so forth. Right. Awesome. So the common idea among Christians is that Jesus saves us from the world, uh, but you flip that idea on its head for the book. And can you explain the concept of Jesus saving the world from Christians to our listeners? I think we have a lot of listeners who are on yeah. board with that, but uh, can you explain it from your perspective? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I mean, I think we, we, when we look at, the model, the basically one of the most dramatic conversion experiences described in Scripture, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus um, into the Apostle Paul. Um, you know, when we look at that story, when Jesus confronts uh, Saul on the road to Damascus, he doesn't say, you know, hey, Saul, uh, um, do you know where you're going after you die? Because if you don't accept me as your, you know, personal Lord and Savior, then you're going to the bad place. But if you do say the official prayer on, you know, on the back of this leaflet I give you, then, um, then you'll go to the good place. He doesn't say that. He says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I think that, you know, we need to ask ourselves if that's a question that Jesus is asking us today. You know, because a lot of us you know, have the same kind of zeal that Saul of Tarsus had, you know, regardless of, you know, whether we're liberal or conservative, a lot of us are really self-righteous. You know, it, we just live in an age that encourages self-righteousness. Yeah, yeah. It's not really getting and, a lot better. Um, no, <laughs> you know, and, and, and we need to be rescued from that toxicity. Um, 
And so we need to have the same thing happen to us that happened to Saul when he got converted into Paul and became the apostle of grace. You know, and, and there's a lot of us that, you know, have said the official prayer and gone through the whole thing and, and can write a dissertation about grace, but we sure as hell don't live like it. Sure. Yeah. You know, and, and so Jesus needs to save the world from us. And I, and I would really say that, I mean, I would make, I would contend that unless you believe that Jesus needs to save the world from you, that you're a big enough problem that you need to be, the world needs to be saved from you. I don't know that you get it. You know, I don't, yeah, sure. I don't know that you, I don't know that you've experienced a, a, a salvation experience. Nice. Um, I, I think just to back up what you're saying, I think if you look at some of Jesus's, um, the harshest response have been to people within the church. It's been, you know, that's where right. you flipped over tables and, you know, called them a brood of vipers, man. So I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, so as, as Christians who, um, are, are at least a, a foot or two, I'm not saying we're, we're completely, uh, there, but as people who have moved on past that, that fundamentalism that's kind of condemning, not inclusive, um, what should our role be within the church to, um, to, to, to navigate, um, the church to a better place? You know, that's really, that's really a tough call because, um, and I've been really wrestling with that and I was wrestling with that in writing this book, um, because you're going to talk differently and act differently depending on who, who you're evangelizing, you know, who, who you're trying to, to, to help and encourage. And um, I made the choice in my book, for better or worse, that I was going to write it assuming an audience of disenchanted ex-evangelicals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I could have written a very different book if I was trying to be persuasive to, uh, you know, to moderately conservative evangelicals who, you know, people who didn't think there was anything wrong with uh, um, the theology, um, it, it would have looked very different. And so I'm, I'm still, you know, I think that there are some people who are called to that kind of, um, you know, bridge building work and, um, and, and really trying to engage, you know, people who are more conservative. And, and I... I felt like with this book in particular, I wanted to make a compelling case for somebody who my biggest concern was somebody who had basically left the church or somebody who had said, screw all of this. I'm done. Sure. You know? Um, and so I think that some of us are called to, to reach out to the, the wounded, you know, the people who have the casualties of the culture wars And then others of us are called to, you know, to, to love, um, the culture warriors themselves. Yeah, for sure. And I I feel like we're kind of in that same boat of like, we are, we're, we're here for people who are either, you know, broken by the church or hurt by the church. We, we, we feel that, um, or just asking questions are disenchanted. Mm. But I think for us, the hardest thing that we find ourselves in this trap of 
we just want to say, screw the church, screw it. Right. Like, and it's, it's hard to show mercy towards the church when we have uh, been hurt by them in the past, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think that um, part of solidarity is standing up. If you're standing up for somebody, you're standing against somebody who is oppressing that person, you know? Hmm. And I think one of the biggest examples of um, Jesus' solidarity in the Bible is in Luke 7 when um, when the quote-unquote sinful woman um, anoints his feet and, um, and, and basically commits this major, major um, social faux pas um, in a, you know, at a dinner party where all these distinguished guests are there. And she comes in, she lets her hair down, which is basically, you know, a, an erotic act in and of itself. Right. And then she starts, you know, making out with Jesus' feet. <laughs> and then Jesus says, just because the, the host of the dinner party just looks, you know, looks at them with, with this kind of look of concern and, and, and judgment on his face, doesn't even say anything. And Jesus humiliates, you know, Simon the Pharisee and basically says, you know, Simon, you're supposed to be the host, but actually this woman who's doing this scandalous thing right now, she's a better host than you are. Right. And, um, and so I think, I, I kind of think that's a model for us of, you know, if, if you're going to stand up for the people that Jesus stands up for, that means that you call out the bullies, you know, and, um, you know, and I don't know. I mean, you, you got to love the, the bullies too, but, um, it's, you know, I think that, and I think that again, it's a kind of thing where different people are called to different aspects sure. yeah. of the, the work that needs to be done. Yeah. For, for me, it's just hard to, to div- like, it's easy to divide and be divisive mm. about it. it. It's, it's harder right. to unite people. Um, cause it, right. I, I'd like to be united with, with that part of the body of Christ, but it, mm. at, at certain times it's just so hard. Um, yep. so yeah. You know, so we've thrown, thrown the words, the church around a lot. Um, and we've talked on our podcast quite a bit on different episodes about what, what constitutes the church? What does that even mean? I'd be interested to hear your definition uh, in your mind. What is the church? Mm. So in that, uh, in that original Greek, um, the word is ekklesia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a word that's used for a gathering, but specifically it has, um, it's a compound word. And uh, ek is out of, and klesia is calling. And so there's a sense in which, yes, it's a gathering, but the reason that the church is a gathering is, is because it's the people who have been called out of the world, the people who have been called out of their comfort zones, of their privilege, you know, of um, the normal sort of modus operandi of, of, of doing things into a new reality, into a new kingdom where people you know, we, we look at like Acts 2 where they, they, they sold what they had and they shared what they had in common so that there was no need among them, you know. Um, and so I think that reclaiming that sense of being called out of the world is, is very important. Now, there is a, a kind of perverse way in which that can happen. Um, and it, it happens a lot of times in, 
when you have this kind of uh, mega church culture, you know, no offense to anybody who worships in a bigger church, you know, sure. that's fine. But, Hi, but a lot of times, <laughs> you know, within that, within that culture, you create a, a whole world uh, of, of where people are isolated, you know, social, where their, their entire mm-hmm. social existence happens within this kind of enclave of, um, you know, a sort of Christian gated community. Sure. And um, and so I think it's important that we are called out of our privilege. We're not called away from the um, the the challenges that are that are in the world, and, and particularly not we are not called our in, you know our um, our privilege and our isolation from the oppressed is not something that's baptized um, by our incorporation into the church. Um, it's rather that we're called away from power and, and privilege. So I'm, I'm not asking this question to play gotcha podcasting by any stretch. And if you don't want to answer, uh, that's f- if you don't want to answer, that's fine. Because I, cool. I've been very uh, critical of what passes for the church in America before. Um, yeah. So by that definition, I mean, would it be, would you say, or would it be fair to say that a lot of what happens in American Christianity isn't the church? Oh uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what? Okay, so here. And I know, I know. I don't like I said. I'm not meaning that to be gotcha. I'm just, and I know right. that's a loaded question. With you know, yeah. A, I so, I think what I want to say is that the Holy Spirit can work in spite of us in a lot right. of different situations, and sure. and that's what's so messy is that you know. I'm sure that there are people who go to Lakewood and Houston with Joel Osteen, you know, and, and he might be preaching that prosperity gospel or whatever, but there are people in that church who are filled with the love of Christ. Right. And there are small groups within that, within that whole giant apparatus where, um, where beautiful things are happening, where people are being transformed in the way that they need to be transformed, you know, and, and, and it's a mess. And then there, and then on the contrary, there are congregations that you know have all the right official, you know, political stances or you know, uh, you know, inclusive rhetoric and so forth. But they're absolutely toxic, you know, and and, sure. and yeah. maybe partly because they've just gotten burned out and they're they've been declining, and um, and people are just terrible to each other. Um, and so um, I think what I would say is that, you know, it's that the true church is, you know, is this invisible, mysterious entity that overlaps with the things that we call church. Um, and I don't think it's absent from, entirely absent from the, the, the sort of official brick and mortar churches, but, uh, but it's certainly not limited to them. And, and certainly it certainly happens in unexpected places. I mean, I'll tell you um, – when I was um, when I was in my early twenties, um, one of the best churches that I was ever part of was uh, just hanging out with an anarchist commune in in Detroit. Nice uh, people who didn't didn't have anything to say about Jesus, you know, but they were living exactly like Jesus and the disciples. Awesome, huh? Very cool. That's very cool. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy how uh, often you see the people who don't claim Christ being the more Christ-centered people. Oh, yeah. Um, 
we thought the chapter on honoring God versus fearing God was really great. Uh, if you mm. look at if you look at the church today, uh, so much of it seems to be guided by fear. Uh, why do you think right. fear seems to be the default response uh, to uh, so many Christians, or of so right. many Christians? Yeah, um, I really think it that basically we have a culture that a church culture that's been created to validate um, the sensibilities of the white middle class. Hmm. And one of the core sensibilities of the white middle class, which justifies everything about, um, about middle class existence is, is, is fear um, is, is the fear of the other um, the fear that um, there's not enough um, resources to go around Um, and, and, and that's a huge engine, um, you know, for driving our economy. Um, you know, the whole concept of suburbia, you know, for example, is built off of this sense that I want to live in a neighborhood where those people aren't going to break into my car at night, you know, and I want to go to a school where those people aren't going to be there and get into fights in the hallway, you know? I want to, and and then you know, and so it's it's a fear of the the sort of boogeyman, the 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 thugs or whoever, and then there's also this sense that you know, um, I have to be the absolute best, um, you know, and get and get straight A's because there just aren't enough jobs to go around, and and I have to be super competitive and get into the best school, you know, and the best program, and um, and so. You know, you have this culture that's that that's just built on anxiety. Yeah. Um, and so it makes sense that you would have a theology which validates that anxiety rather than addressing it and healing it. And and that's basically what you have in this kind of white evangelical subculture is the self justification of white middle class anxiety. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's. Richard Rohr that says, you know, we we're really good at creating God in our own image. And yeah, and it makes a lot of sense that, you know, within such an anxiety and fear driven culture, that naturally the God that we talk about would be sort of fearful and that, you know, jealous and, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you run after anything else and I'm going to get you. And, you know, that, and so it, it, I guess it wouldn't be any surprise that we would project that kind of uh, idea right. onto the divine. Yeah, I mean, and you know, and and to be fair, um, there's a lot of there, there's a lot in you know the Old Testament right. and, and other places in Scripture where y- you know you can find validation yep. for this kind of ethos in the Bible. But but what I would say is that. Um, is it is that what's what's happened is that people have read their culture into their interpretation of scripture yes um, which which is what we all do yep. I mean we yeah. we can't avoid doing that but if you had uh, you know when you when you have a group um, you know a church um, in sub-saharan Africa is gonna hear something entirely different yeah. when they hear the story of Israel and when they when they look at because like like for me, as, as a white privileged person, I mean, it, it really didn't hit me um, until uh, until I was well into seminary, you know, how important the story of Exodus is. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, because I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not a slave. What does that have to do with me? Right. You know, and <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I'm an Egyptian. I'm not a slave. You know, yeah. I'm I'm one of the oppressors. And so, of course, that that story is completely irrelevant to my understanding of salvation. But for the black church in America, that is the story of salvation, you know, yes. is, you know, is, is being let my people go, you know, and um, and Jesus is part of that you know, a continuation of that, of that Exodus story, you know, and whereas within the, the sort of white middle-class experience, Jesus salvation is, is like this kind of bank transaction because what we believe in is capitalism and, and, in you know, having a, you know, a ledger book where the negative is canceled out by the positive. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, for me, I, you know, I grew up pretty conservative. Well, we all did, yeah. but I grew up, for me personally speaking, grew up conservative and um, very fearful of God. You know, I read Fear mm. of the Old Testament. It was definitely that cower in fear, <clears throat> don't step out of line, that kind of thing. And I think it wasn't until much, much later in life, I would say early, late 20s, early 30s, when I started say, looking at, at, at Jesus and going, that's not a God to be feared in the mm-hmm. traditional sense like right 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 he hangs on a cross and all in complete vulnerability and humility like that's not a god that you should be scared of i mean the constant refrain the thing that's interesting is the constant refrain throughout scripture whenever god shows up or an angel or whatever is hey, oh don't be afraid it's right. right it's just me it's okay don't be afraid um it's almost like in the writers of scripture we're like, okay, fear is such a human, normal human trait. We've got to try to get this, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, to get them to see that this is not a God to be scared of uh, as right. much as to be trusted. Yeah, well, and I think that the um, the the true, um, it, so the, the words, in, the word in Hebrew is yore, and um, in, in Greek it's phoebus, um, the true fear um, in, in in a positive sense is more the the goosebumps that you experience when you've seen something happen and there is no explanation for it other right. than that God did it. Right. You know, yeah. and when you because I don't know about y'all, but uh, I live most of my life is basically functional ag- ag- agnosticism. Uh-huh. You know, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of times when I'm walking around. And, and I don't mean that like I'm actively thinking God doesn't exist sure. or something like that. Like I'm not trying to think that, but but I'm living as if God doesn't exist. I'm right. living with, just within the sort of normal mechanisms and you know social exchanges of um, of the world. But um, but I'll have these things that'll happen, you know, and and these these you know coincidences that aren't coincidences, and and that feeling that when when you know that there's something out there that is instigating love and joy and, and kind of making these synergistic connections in the world. Like when, when I, when I experience that, I'm like, I'm like that God is really happening. God is really moving. That's when I experience what I think the, um, the biblical writers are talking about when they say the fear of the Lord, Sure, because it's just, it's just like, wow, that's crazy. You know, and, and I'm kind of speechless in those moments. Yeah. It's almost, uh, there's something bigger than you. Right. Um, and there's an, I guess almost the word awe 
would almost yeah, be better, exactly. better serving of there's yeah when you get those peaks behind the curtain and they don't happen very often that right. there's something bigger going on uh that you yeah. can't really explain it's like you said you get the goosebumps you get you yeah. know whatever that that reaction might be mm-hmm. um i'm going to read a quote from your book it's a quote uh, that really kind of stood out to me uh so bear with me and then i'll ask a question but uh, you say this in the book to me, if God is always reaching out to us with his love, that implies a certain flexibility in dealing with our flawed attempts to understand him. We're, mm. all, we're all heretics to some degree or another because we're trying to grasp the nature of an infinite God. So, you know, the church is so divided between conservative, conservative and progressive. Uh, and you know, right. that, the word heretic gets thrown around, you know, yep. a lot by both sides, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. so in your mind, how can Christians with such obvious theological differences move forward together and build the kingdom or, mm. it, or is there a way forward in that regard? Right. Um, well, you know, the, the word, um, hereticos in Greek, um, it's, it's someone who's divisive, um, and really, um, it has to do with uh, heresies. Has to do with choice. It's it's someone who is insisting that only they are right. Hmm. Um, and and that's the thing is that is that a lot of times, like in um, you know, when we look when you look at the context of how the word is used by Paul, what Paul's concerned about um, with all these New Testament churches, these writing, he's not battling for the most part, you know, against people who it's, it's people who are saying I'm right. Everybody else is wrong and you have to agree with me. Yeah. Um, it's not, he's not, he's, he's not as concerned that everybody have, you know, this perfect, um, you know, um, consistent, you know, theology. I mean, the, the, the reality is, is that in his different letters, he, you know, he really, he's really pastoral and, um, and, and pretty flexible in his theology and how he talks about things, you know, depending on who his audience is, right. You know, and, and what, and what basically what a lot of, um, a lot of people from my, you know, background from the evangelical background do is basically take Romans and that becomes everything, you know, that becomes like the entire Bible. <laughs> right. like yeah. the, and you take it and instead of, um, you know, appreciating, um, the rhetoric and, and the style of writing that Paul is using, um, you, you know, you try to make it into a formula or something. So you get these ridiculous things like, you know, Paul says, you know, Romans 10, he says, you know, if you, you know, if you confess the name of the Lord and, you know, um, I can't remember the exact wording, but, you know, um, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that he's free from, you know, he's been raised from the dead, then you will be saved. Right. He doesn't say, then you won't go to hell. He just uses the word, um, you know, sozo, you know, which means salvation or healing. So he could have been, you know, he could have been talking about like a prayer practice right. that he's recommending as a source of, of inner healing, right. you know, to, 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 to simply uh, meditate on Jesus Lordship, you know? And so I think where, where we go wrong is when we try to make things into formulas instead of 
living inside of the story that Scripture creates. Right. And when I say that, I'm not I'm not trying to create some kind of fuzzy, you know, um, lackadaisical, you know, understanding of, of of Scripture and of and of the teachings and the commands that were given. Um, I just think that we, you know, and so in my um, in my book, I. T- I my chapter on scripture is called poetry, not math. Right. Because it's not about, it's not about formulas. It's not about, you know, scripture is not a word problem that we reduce to a simple formula. We have to deal with all the words. Yes. You know, and, and, and so really it's more about giving us a liturgy for living than a set of formulas that we sort of, that we consent to in our brains without having a damn thing be transformed in our hearts. Right, right, right. Um, you know, it, it, what you're talking about also reminds me in the book when you talked about, you know, the difference between uniformity and unity, you know, yeah. not being the same thing. And the church is just right. plagued by the sort of the quest for uniformity. And I would say, I mean, right. I think in a lot of ways that's not a conservative or progressive thing. It's <clears throat> both. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, yeah we were everybody's talking. got their everybody's got their own version of political correctness. Yes, you know, it's just what it, in, in terms of enforcing an ideology and a set of catchphrases that you're supposed to say, and you know, um, and and that's yeah, yeah, it's all 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 across the ideological map. Sure. Um, despite being pretty critical of much of the church's approach, you seem to be very hopeful for the future of the church. As you look at the mm. current state of the church in America, what specifically gives you hope? Mm. Um, the rise of contemplative spirituality, um, meaning um, yeah. people who are discovering folks like Richard Rohr, mm-hmm. Thomas Merton, Henry Nouwen, um, you know, the mystics from the past, um, like um, Julianne of Norwich, and, um, and, and really um, understanding that union with Christ is the goal. Right. Um, and, and, and it's not that we have a certain set of beliefs that we put in our brain and we check off, you know, some kind of clipboard, you know, I agree with this, I agree with this, I agree with this. And if we have all the right check marks, then, you know, St. Peter lets us in the pearly gates. (laughs) Right. The point is to be mystically united with Christ so that I am part of the reality of Christ. Um, And there's a, there's a verse in, um, uh, it's in one of the Corinthian letters where it says you have been hidden in Christ. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, and Paul talks about being citizens, that we are citizens of heaven, that that's not, that's not something that happens later. Right now we are citizens of heaven. And what I believe about heaven is heaven is that heaven is communion with God. It's the presence of God. Um, now granted, you know, um, my hope is that, you know, after I die and whatever, you know, that there's going to be some more perfect, um, realization of, of that communion. And, um, you know, and, and that's one of the things the Bible says, but in any case, people that are seeking communion with Christ as a lived experience, um, right now, those are the people that give me hope. Sure. 
for the church. And I really see that happening. And I'm seeing, um, in particular, I'm seeing Pentecostals um, who are becoming sacramental. You know, charismatics who are becoming contemplative. Yeah. And in that, when you when you take those two, you know, kind of, and, and they're really not ends of the spectrum. It's just different, you know, um, different ways of being fully soaked in the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, and when you when you pull that together, and you have a group of people who are who are who want to live in the Spirit, you know. Um, then, then you've got a source of hope, right. I think. Very good. Um, so are, let me ask you a question. Are there any new projects that you're uh, working on you'd like to talk about? Sure. Um, yeah, so I, um, I'm going to be doing a thing over Lent, um, if I can figure out how to do it, um, called Detoxify Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it might include some of the ideas in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm doing it with um, with with some friends um, who are you know theologians and pastors and social justice activists from around the country and um, and really trying to be intentional about diversifying um, you know the voices that that are represented and we're going to be doing these uh, live chat conversations um, and um, definitely on YouTube we're hoping to figure out a way to make it make it have a Facebook live component for it. And right now it's looking like we're going to be doing them on Tuesday evenings. I'm um, kind of late so that we don't have, we're not conflicting with anything else. Cause right. a lot of us have evening activities that we do. And, sure. awesome. um, yeah, so that's kind of a project. Um, I'm sort of wrestling with possibly making my next, next book, something about, um, the experience of whiteness and wow. um and and battling whiteness um, yeah because I think it's 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 uh so uh, one of my friends um she was talking about she was at Standing Rock um mm-hmm. this past fall and um and and I interviewed her for another podcast that I do called Crackers and Grape Juice um and I was asking her you know were the white folks behaving you know. And because um, I was just worried that, you know, that just the kind of stereotypical, like, right. clueless hippie behavior was yeah, yes. happening, you know. And um, and she said, and the way she put it was, she said, um, she said, there were a lot of people who were battling their whiteness. Huh. And some of them were doing so intentionally and some of them were doing so unintentionally. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and that really um, – I really like that concept because, um, it, you know, I think that, you know, we've been born and, and, and really it, I feel like the, the whole, the Christian doctrine of original sin, the way that that applies historically to my condition is my being born to a group of people who, you know, basically killed all the people in the land that we currently occupy, or not all of them, but most of them, right. the land that we currently occupy and enslaved a whole other race of people. And, um, and, and we're born in this mess and we have to figure out what to make of it and how to, how to not be an asshole, you know, right? <laughs> it's just, and, and, and the thing is that, that you don't, you don't ever really graduate because there's all kinds of ways of being, 
an obnoxious white person and, yeah. and um, <laughs> finding new ways it, every day. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and the most obnoxious white people uh, of which I'm, I'm one of these people are the white people who think that they're better than other white people, yeah. you know, because I'm woke and I've figured it out and I'm going to tell you how stupid you are. You know, that's just a different iteration of it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's figuring out like, how do we, um, and, you know, and I mean, some of it is race, some of it might not be, but that's part of the battle is like figuring out like, what, what is the right way to talk about this kind of entitlement that I feel to be the protagonist of the universe, mm. you know, because mm -hmm. that's, I feel like that's kind of, and that's kind of like back, you know, when Rudyard Kipling wrote The White Man's Burden, you know, back in the 19th century, I mean, that's the thing is that, is that we, I feel like as a white man, I've been given this existential burden of of being the messiah of being the superhero you know of of my life right and um, you know and assuming that other people are supporting characters in that story mm. you know and and so learning learning how to just be a supporting character in god's story is a pretty <laughs> right. it's a pretty hard thing to figure out sure yeah. um where can our listeners find you online yeah um so i have a blog on pathios um, that's called Mercy Not Sacrifice. It's in the Progressive Christian Portal. Um, so it's pathios.com slash blog slash Mercy Not Sacrifice. Um, and I'm um, I'm on Twitter and Facebook. Um, M A Guyton. Um, so my first two initials and my last name Guyton. Um, so Facebook.com M A Guyton. Twitter.com M A Guyton. Cool. Um, and you mentioned you have a, a podcast as well. Where can people? Yeah, find that? um, yeah, it's called Crackers and Grape Juice, and um, yeah, we're on iTunes and all those places. We have we have a website called CrackersandGrapeJuice.com. Okay, awesome. Uh, and finally, I would be remiss uh, if I didn't ask you to recite some lyrics from Straight Out of Compton for our listeners. You did mention in the book that that's something you can do. Oh man! <laughs> uh, totally kidding. I just got a kick out of that when you okay, uh, were talking okay, about so that in the book. Let's see. Let's see. Here's the easy part. <laughs> and I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm, I, I'm not even gonna try to do his. Well, let's see. Straight out of Compton <laughs> comes a brother that will smother your mother and make your sister think I love her. Dangerous motherfucker raises hell. And when I get caught, I make bail. See, I don't give up. That's the problem. Uh, yeah. I didn't think you'd actually do it. Well done. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and finally, uh, we're, we're going to do a lightning round. So just kind of a quick uh, random yeah, yeah, yeah. question. So uh, favorite comfort food? Oh, um... Eggs. Oh, really? Any spo any specific style or just any egg? Yeah, Benedict. Oh, very Benedict's. nice. All right. Yeah. How do you recharge? Um, I go to a prayer labyrinth. Oh, really? Very nice. Uh, do you have a favorite quote? It can be a book, movie, music. Mm. Hmm. So I don't know. There's so there's this uh, British hip hop group called The Streets that was mm -hmm. active in the early 2000s, and at the end of the first song and the first album, he says, "Be brave, clinch fists," and I just I, I like playing that song over and over again and, and thinking about those words, especially in our time. You know, be brave, clinch fists. Oh, that's cool. Awesome. 
Uh, your favorite novel? Mm, um, I think that would be um, Old Gringo by Carlos Fuentes. Oh, nice. Haven't heard of that one. Uh, and then finally, last question. Can you think of the best piece of advice you've ever received? Hmm. Let me see. Yeah, I'm going to pause for a minute to try to think of it, and you guys can edit it out. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Yeah, this is not exactly uh, a softball question. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Best piece of advice. Um, you know, I think that – so um, – I'm in one of these groups um, where uh, where you get a sponsor, um, a one, you know, a twelve step community. Oh, okay. And one thing that he he says to me over and over again is lighten up, because <laughs> I take shit way too damn seriously. <laughs> You're not the only one. I think yeah. that's kind of an epidemic right now. Right. <laughs> I like it. Very good. I like that. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, we really um, are excited to have this come out and have our, our listeners uh, hear kind of your story, hear more about your book, um, and I assume they can find it on Amazon.com? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yep. The book is How Jesus Saves the World from Us, 12 Antidotes to Toxic Christianity. So, Morgan, appreciate you being on. We really, uh, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thank you. really appreciate it. Now that we puked in your sea. I forgot about this. It's so good, man. You can tell us what you think. <laughs> the five stars get red. My favorite part. But one star is dead <laughs> to us. Love it. I love that Wait so much. It. Yeah, I was going to say. I, I didn't know I there was still, cheering in it. I still say he needs to do an edit of that where it's it's static instead of feedback. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That was that was from Andy Moore. He yes. did that and did our... Uh, um, into, the news oh, feed. into the news yeah. feed, yeah. Thanks, Andy. Yeah. Um, all right, five-star reviews. What do you got, Matt? Uh, I got a couple from uh, north of the border. Canada. Yeah, from Canada. Can I, can this I, one's can from I, January can I, 2nd. Can I come live with you for the next four years, please? Yeah, I know. No, come on. Uh, called Great First Listen from Carla Ginny. Hey, Carla. Word. Yeah. Just listen to the to the Great Sex Can Change the World episode. It was extremely insightful for me, as this is a topic I think a lot about. I'm not religious, and since becoming familiar with radical feminist theory, I've not really been sure how to experience sexuality at this point either. Hillary had so many great points and ideas that I'm going to follow up on. I appreciate her being so open about your life and experience, too. I'm looking forward to hearing more from both Inglorious Pastors and Hillary McBride. Awesome. Coming up, February. Coming up. Yep. Yep. Very soon. It that's, is February. It's this already month, yeah. this month. Yeah. Coming up and towards the end of this month. Well, she'll be back on. We're too, super pumped. Um, I need to get in touch with her and make sure we got something worked out in terms of like, yeah. what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Probably. We had a whole list of subjects. Yeah. So. Uh, another one from January 22nd. Listener Beware by Him99. Listener, Listener beware. beware. This is somebody we know, I'm pretty sure. I is think it? somebody in the from, Yeah. From Canada? 
Yes. Okay, go ahead. Been listening for a few months, and a lot of the content here has catalyzed a reevaluation of some of my ingrained belief systems, worldview, Mm -hmm. and faith. I don't know which came first, but at any rate, I'm grateful for the humor, insight, and honesty of these guys. I'm also stupefied that I've gone 26 years without realizing how difficult it is to pronounce my own name. So it's somebody that you're somebody's name. You somebody's fucked name up. I've screwed so, up. So so thanks for times. that, Michael. Hashtag, you're welcome. Hashtag more ton. Oh, more <laughs> ton, more. Power, I don't remember what that was from. I remember more of you in my life. <laughs> I'm still sad. Somebody's last name, I'm Mike Morton. Super sad that we didn't use that hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> and I will worship you with all of my heart. Oh my god, I play that song a lot on guitar. Man, I don't, I don't know that I ever did. I did. I know I sang it a lot in, when I was a kid. I did a lot of upstrums on that one. Where you kind of, <laughs> we drag it across the strings. Because it was a, the old minor chord drag. <laughs> the old E minor drag across the strings. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> um, okay, so Twitter feedback. Adam J. Pulley, at Adam J. Pulley, said, Getting so motivated catching up on Pastor's podcast this week. I saw that. Really... It's the really good kind of pissed off kind <laughs> that influences real change. I don't know if like like we pissed him off so much now he's a staunch Republican or <laughs> if like we converted to Donald Trump. Yes, yeah. So thanks, Adam. We really appreciate it. Uh, Ian Irving at Batman Villain said, "You can't get into heaven unless you show your card and know the most up to date hashtag." So <laughs> that's very true. It's true. Uh, he also mentioned to me about tithing. We're going to start asking for tithing. <laughs> <laughs> to which I said, uh, it's not ever mentioned in the in the New Testament, but uh, if anybody wants to give us uh, 10%, we can do a direct uh, we'll deposit. We'll take, we'll take 10% of your income. Yeah, That's fine. sure. A direct deposit ver, uh, via uh, patreon.com slash pastors podcast. So. <laughs> uh, Stephanie Rice wrote. Uh, emo, here, emo correspondent, Stephanie Rice. Yes, she wrote, hearing myself just makes me want to not live anymore. <laughs> you get, you get used to it. Yeah. Hashtag I'm so annoying. Hashtag and I'm sorry. Hashtag more dick jokes in church. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, oh, that hashtag. Yeah. Uh, Ray uh, at Galactic Wonderlust. <laughs> Wonderlust with no vowels. Well, I, was that a question? It was broken up weird, Ray, so I, I, I just saw all the ats at us, but I didn't see his actual message, but I see it. He said, hashtag awkward erection sounds like some kind of microbio brew. <laughs> Ton in, it's pun probably intended. It's probably out there. Yeah. Pun intended. If it's not Zach Crater, get on that. Yep. <laughs> awkward erection. Wait, wasn't Zach going to send us beer? Whatever happened to that? Yeah. Know, lost in the mail? Hey, Maybe. Zach, thanks for nothing. <laughs> I think he ended up selling it all to people in the pub. I think he did, too. I don't blame him. Well, that's all right. <laughs> More well, power I kind of do. <laughs> um, at NY Pastors, um, we're a guest. Oh, at yeah, Pastors Podcast, we're a guest on our show. They need a new computer, so help them out. Um, yes, they're guys. doing good work and helping a lot of people. So, so are cool. they. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Um, and then also the Sassy Atheist also uh, said... The creators of hashtag pussy pop and hashtag evangelical circle jerk hashtags need a little help. How can we let them down? <laughs> how do you how do you give how do you like dismiss a like an endorsement like that? Uh, I don't great. know. An atheist supporting our podcast. Yeah. What the hell? I That's know. awesome. It's great. Um, the corn goblin wrote uh, the hot. The, what was it? The hobbling goblin. Yeah. Because he broke yeah. his foot. Ah, the, uh, the hobbling goblin uh, wrote. Uh, 
at Intubal's daughter, which is his wife, says, tells me... Can he just go across like the house and talk to her? You have to well, tweet at her? He said that she, he was referring, she told him this, that how great thou art in bed. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag sweaty and flaccid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nathan A. Miller at Namway Design. <laughs> wrote, Sweaty and flaccid. Oh. Same. I wrote, forgot about that. He wrote, the only time I touched a skateboard, I ended up uh, with a broken collarbone. Collarbone. <laughs> Man, I can't read. Hashtag skating is hard. Hashtag coordination is hard. It's so. the new Jason Bourne movie, Broken Collarbone. <laughs> Coming to you. <laughs> This run, summer. They're running out of ideas. Matt Damon. <laughs> he kicks all that ass, but then he tries to ride a skateboard. He breaks his collarbone. <laughs> the collarbone <laughs> identity. It's a pretty It's a pretty short movie. Guest starring Randy. <laughs> then it's just him sitting in an emergency room for three hours. <laughs> the, Matt po- the Matt Polly story. Yes. Oh, man. And, uh, but we got you this inhaler. Oh, thanks. The collarbone identity. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened? Uh, this is—I don't think she was even in this movie. I, for some reason, can I'm we talk? Of, can we talk of Claire Danes? Claire, Claire well, Danes. Whatever. In that movie, I know was she, she wasn't. It's the other girl. I can't think of her name. But what happened to Claire She's Danes? In, uh, Home, Homeland. Homeland. Oh, I watched the first two seasons of that, and I didn't have Showtime anymore. But it was—it was really damn good. Yeah, I never she was got really into good it. In it. Can we talk about what? What were we going to talk about? Can we talk about Matt Damon's new movie and what the fuck he was thinking signing up for that? It's called hey, Money. It's a paycheck. He doesn't need money. Matt Damon is insanely low. I will say J- Jason Bourne was awesome. No, no, no. That I'm not talking about, I'm talking about The Great Wall. Have you well, seen the previews for that? No. Is there really aliens in it? Yes. They're fighting aliens at The Great Wall. Like in Sweet. ancient... It is so freaking dumb. Like, Did they do Kung Fu? Is it like... I, I don't know. Michael. I only assume that since it's near the Greek Wall, there's got to be some sort of karate in it. Is that racist this to me? This week, this weekend, weekend Michael, Michael likes Mickey Rooney's uh, Chinese <laughs> impression <laughs> in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Good oh, God! Shit! Oh, that was incredibly insensitive. So of I me. didn't know. So but I never. Hope that he fights I didn't aliens know. With hit, Kung go ahead and hit the deep thought button. So we watched. No, go we, ahead. No, I don't know what I'm going to say. We watched, I watched, Mandy and I watched that. I bought that movie like in a $5 bin, The Breakfast at Tiffany's. It's a classic. I'd never seen it. Mm-hmm. Great movie. Horrifying. I didn't know yeah, about the I Mickey about Rooney it. thing. Yeah. It was a Japanese guy. Yeah, I didn't know about that until yeah. I saw it. And I was like, I, I, I said to Mandy. Did you know it was like, Mickey Rooney whenever you saw it? Yeah, it was like Mickey Rooney's in it. And I'm like, okay, Mickey Rooney plays. I don't remember what the character's name is. I'm like, all right, that's kind of weird. And then he shows up, and I was like, "Yeah, what the fuck?" It's like, like stereotypical what? racist, like, like worse than that, like, like worse than bad. But it's black face, Jap- back to Japanese. It is. It's Japanese like the blackface version yeah. of like, yeah, racist towards Japanese. It, I, I I could not believe yeah. it. Like, could not believe. And it. we're still doing that. Like Matt Damon's in a movie about the, the Great Wall of China. Well, fine, like, but as long as I'm, I'm fine. Are you with, saying white people can't well, get like, the no, Great Wall of fine, China? I'm fine with that as long as he's not like they didn't like make his eyes half slanted wow. and he's wearing buck teeth and talking like a Japanese or Chinese <laughs> guy. Like it is horrifyingly bad. Holy crap! I could not. I was shocked. This episode supported by uh, the Great Wall. <laughs> Yes, go see it in the theater near you. Except don't, because it's going to be a shit pile. <laughs> Man, I bet it's good. The no, astronaut. No, no, no. The, no, the no. astronaut was good. Okay, that, f- the astronaut. Aliens at the Great Wall. What is going on? 
Is that what the name of that movie? The you astronaut? realize there's some movie. No, The Martian. The Martian. That's what it is. <laughs> the <laughs> astronaut. <laughs> me. There is an astronaut movie. I've got it on my the computer. Astronaut. <laughs> I, I, I got think the we have our hashtag for the week. No, there is an actual movie called The Astronaut. Is there? I've got it on my DVR. I also have The Martian, but The, the, the Martian was really good. Oh I heard it gosh. was. I heard it was good. Yeah, I've got it. I, it's good. So um, anyway, the Great Wall. I, I don't get it. Like I, I just really, I, I don't. I don't understand. Yeah, don't like, wh- you realize how many good movies probably get turned down and don't get mm-hmm. funded? Oh yeah. And then that comes across an executive's desk. You're like, oh my god, Aliens yeah. at the Great Wall with Matt Damon. I'm this just is seeing Matt shit. Damon like at his desk. Yeah, why not? That's that's one that's of those. Mo- like I, I just. Like, I can't fathom, I put it on Facebook last night, like, I can't fathom a guy as talented as, I like Matt Damon. Yeah. He's getting I know a lot paid of people don't like a it. ton of money I for get that, it. He though. doesn't need it, though. Like, but still, if somebody offers you $25 million to I'm go fight aliens. No. no, I'm just saying, like, nobody turns I just that can't down. imagine that script comes across his desk or in his house, he gets mailed to him, whatever, and he goes, that's what my career needs. I don't think he makes decisions based on what his career needs at this point. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, you do, so I think sometimes the guys do movies, people like actors and actresses do movies like this because there's something else they want to do, maybe more personally, that like, hey, if you do this, we'll green light yeah, this. Yeah, maybe it is that. It may be know. that kind of thing. It's like I a tit for tat thing. Yeah, like, I don't you know. You do this and I'll green light You your, do this shit pile I'll movie. I'll green light Goodwill Hunting too. Because yeah. here's the thing. That's going to open at the box <laughs> office. It's Matt gonna, Damon is at home. He's he's literally in a, in a bed mate made out of like dollar bills <laughs> listening to this podcast and he's saying is he Floyd Mayweather <laughs> and he's saying how you like these apples oh. <laughs> I got a number <laughs> I got a number this is a Harvard bar <laughs> Harvard God can we uh, I, give me I a know pint. I mentioned it before but Ben Affleck is so terrible in that movie give me it's a pint of your finest lager like Matt Damon nails that movie. Ben Affleck, god awfully he terrible. Bones it. He's just terrible. <laughs> I will say the accountant was pretty great too. The accountant does was he good. have a Boston accent in that too? No, yeah. but it was. Good. Is it literally just him typing at a on a calculator? Yes, yeah, so that's exactly what happened for like two hours. You're getting three thousand dollars back on your refund. It was good. <laughs> you didn't take out enough taxes this month. <laughs> All right. Let's go to hashtags. You guys ready? What do you got? <laughs> okay. I, got, oh, wait, wait, wait. I Close- got a number. I got to do this part real quick. Closing time. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. <laughs> write us a review on iTunes. <laughs> we like need equations some- and shit on the wall. It's a, qu- <laughs> a Harvard some- bar. <laughs> Figure there'd be equations and shit on the wall. We need Bill Paxton of that movie. We need some of your reviews on iTunes. Seriously, people. Need some more words. Check us out on our website, ingloriouspastards.com. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash pastorspodcast. And also GoFundMe. We're, we're there. We are. We, need, we both, need a new computer. Both those links are, are still um, uh, pinned to the top of our Facebook page and our uh, <laughs> what are you laughing Twitter. At? I've got the longest hashtag right. we've ever Hashtag, <laughs> ever let's had. hear it. You want All right, first I got uh, hashtag yeast analytics. Well, I have okay. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. hashtag Benny in the butts. <laughs> I've got Benny in the butts. Four Bs. Uh, hashtag Benny in the butts. Hashtag dip your icing in icing. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that one. I do too. Hashtag Matt's dying heart. Yeah. Hashtag bionic dong. <laughs> Steve Austin, Matt Damon, hashtag as Steve Austin <laughs> in Bionic Dog. 
That's got to be a porn movie, right? Like, <laughs> I'm sure it is. Hashtag Dark Lord Cheeto. Oh, God, yeah, I really like that one. Hashtag the dong song. Hashtag Florida man is naked again. Uh, hashtag don't tase my ball sack, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag, is this your longest has, one? No. Yeah. Hashtag Matt Damon stars in The Astronauts. <laughs> This episode of the Pastors Podcast brought to you by Matt Damon and the Astronaut. I don't know why that cracks me up so much. (laughs) Here's the longest one. (laughs) Hashtag Ben Affleck is the Bill Paxton of Goodwill Hunting. (laughs) (laughs) I really like that one. I do too. It's not possible to use it, but it's so good. Oh man! I've got hashtag leftover dicks. <laughs> uh, hashtag Benny in the butts. Hashtag Care Bear stares. Hashtag Mick Curly. <laughs> As in the Three Stooges. Yeah, Curly. I got you. Uh, and then hashtag Dark Lord Cheeto and hashtag hashtag the Dong Song. <laughs> Uh, I oh, had, you had yeast analytics. I have uh, hashtag Michael's yeast analytics. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that's horrifying. You don't want to see that document. I had, uh, I had hashtag Benny in the butts. Uh, hashtag emo. I think it needs to be Benny in the butts. Benny in the butts. Hashtag emo correspondent Stephanie Rice. Hashtag probably going to lose the entire podcast. Hashtag naked alternative facts. Uh, hashtag Jason Collarborn Identity. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd hashtag the astronaut. Oh. <laughs> I'm kind of okay with like the bit Benny in the butts. Just so people have to do that. All right. So is it just four B's? Four B's. Three B's and then Benny in the butts. Okay. So four B's total. Benny. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I like that one. All right, so... And if you want an alternative, hashtag Ben Affleck is the Bill Paxton of Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> so, uh, if you have listened to this episode in its entirety, uh, poor Morgan Guyton's going to get Benny in the butts hashtag. Oh, well. Sorry, uh, man. Sorry, man. Um, if you listen to this episode in its entirety, hit us up on social media with the hashtag Benny in the butts. Um <laughs> Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm never going to not sing that now know, if that song comes on. Find us on Twitter, at Pastor's Podcast. Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, at Polly Name <laughs> Still Matt. don't have Twitter. At Polly Name Brad and uh, at MJ Basinger. No, at Polly Name Matt. I heard you say that. I was just saying his Twitter. He doesn't use have MJ Twitter. Basinger. He's got Twitter because people are still atting him. I <coughs> Are they? Yeah. <laughs> I literally don't. I mean, yeah. I have it, but I don't. I, it's not on my phone. He'll get on it, it eventually. It's just a matter of time. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't really miss it a whole lot. Yeah. Facebook.com slash pastors podcast. Um, yeah. That's it. That's all she wrote, guys. Yeah. I feel like we need some. We, some don't have, we just don't have an ending yet, do we? No. It's kind of, we not really our, a good way to end it. We kind of just kind of talk our way out of it. Shot the proverbial wad on that one. Kind of did. So long, suckers. <laughs> we could do Ben Affleck's terrible accent the entire time. We can do Mickey Rooney's racist Japanese accent. Nope, let's not do that. (laughs) 
Michael, Michael's already covered racism for the episode. Yep. But <laughs> I assume that uh, any more stereotypes you'd like Kung to uh, and a movie about the wall. So, what if the wall is really the Mexican border? It's a metaphor. <laughs> it's a metaphor. Yeah. Matt Damon's movie is a metaphor. That's why Matt Damon did it. It's an anti-Trump metaphor. It was really prophetic. 